Hey everybody, welcome back to The Chris Harder Show. Now I know we don't do interviews often, but when we do, they are good. And you are gonna love my interview with my good friend, Kayla Kraft today. Now she just dropped a book called What Do You Really Want? Seven Questions That Can Unlock the Answers to a Life Full of Abundance, Meaning, and Connection. And this episode is for you if you've ever wondered that. If you're in a space where you're like, God, what's next? Or if you're in a space where you're like, ah, I'm working hard, but I'm not happy. Or if you're in a space of, dang it, I thought like there'd be more reward than this. Maybe I'm going about this all wrong. Or if you're just in a space of like, I don't know where I belong. I don't even know like what I'm working towards. Or if you're in a space of, hey, everything's fine, but damn it, I know I'm meant for way more. What is that thing? What is that way more for me? Then this book is for you and this episode is for you. You know, Kayla has been so successful for so long and there's a reason behind it because she's always been really good at dialing in exactly what she wants and she uses this system, these seven questions to help you do that in this episode. And we do that as well. We do that at our round table. We don't use these seven questions, but we use exercises to help clarify what you really want and how you're going to get there. And we've got one of our famous roundtable sessions coming up where it's 15 entrepreneurs for 48 hours. You, me, the other 14 entrepreneurs in the room working on your business while you're up there in the hot seat. It is the best format that we have ever created. And it's quickly become, I think, our most popular event. And if it's not our most popular event, it's our best bang for your buck event. And people leave that 48 hours with brand new friendships, brand new business partners, brand new connections, brand new audiences to tap into, brand new ideas, brand new strategy, all in 48 hours. So listen, the next one is in the beginning of April in Scottsdale. And it sells out so quickly that there's really only one way to be able to have a chance to get in one of those seats. And that is to text me the word roundtable so I can put you on the early access list. So literally right now, hit pause and text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. Again, hit pause and then come right back to this episode, but hit pause and text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. And when you get back, I and Kayla are going to help you figure out what do you really want? Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Kayla, mother freaking craft. I love that we're going to sit here right now. So first of all, all the listeners need to know this. We are dear friends. Your husband's one of my best friends in the whole wide world. Mm. And to see your book come out that we're going to talk about a little bit later, not first, is one of the most exciting things I've seen in a long time. So mm. let me start by saying congratulations. I know that you've poured a lot into this book and I can't wait to get around to talking about it later today. I'm excited to be here. It's so fun. 
I love it. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to set aside book aside for a moment here. It's so pretty. Be careful with it's, it. It's, oh, I will not ruin it. Everything you do in life is aesthetically beautiful, and I will not mess up the aesthetics of the beautiful book. That is rule number one we're dealing with Kayla Craft. People need to know that. Okay, I want to start with this question. You embody living an unapologetically great life mm-hmm. in every way. Uh, you work on yourself from a biohacking standpoint. You work on yourself from a mental training standpoint. You work on yourself from a physical standpoint. You work on your business nonstop. And you, one of the things that you and I share in common is you demand um, a beautiful, elegant, luxurious life as well. Yeah. But it hasn't always been that way, right? There was a moment not too long ago, if we look at the grand scheme of things, where you were an overworked nurse working a million hours, living paycheck to paycheck. What was the number one bridge that you had to gap to get from that moment to where you are right now? Mm. I think the thank you for that introduction, Till. I feel so special. So the gap, I believe, is the people you surround yourself with. And I know you preach this, Chris. But if you're around people who, you know, like a certain lifestyle, kind of average, which there's nothing wrong with that, you kind of you just think, hey, I'm good. And especially when you're the person in the group that's doing better than everybody else, you really think you're doing good. But then you get in a new circle and you go, oh, my gosh, there's so much more to experience, to enjoy, so much more impact I can have. And you start to just expand your horizons. And that's what you're so good at. You're good at putting people in situations that expand them. So I'm so grateful that you do that. But that's what changed for me was I got around people who were doing big things. And I realized I want to do those big things, too. I want to help people in a bigger way. And so I started doing it. I love it. And you do it. You do it so well. Like your clients, I saw your post the other day, went from $10,000 months to $100,000 months or whatever it was. Like you absolutely do that for everybody else. But you've also done it for yourself, which I like because that's the authentic piece. You Mm -hmm. went first. You're not just teaching something in theory. Where did your desire for such a nice life and where did your demand for such uh, great and elegant things, where did your unapologeticness come from, do you think? Because you weren't raised this way. No, but I remember being a kid and I remember we had to stay like at a Motel 6 or yeah. something like that. And I remember like sleeping on the floor. I mean, we all had to like six of us sleep in one room and we had no money. And I remember sleeping on the floor and be like, did I get like born into the wrong family? Like <laughs> I, I remember, and it's funny now, me and my mom will laugh about it because things have changed. But I, she always said, like, it was so weird. Like, you always liked nice things growing up, but you were never exposed to them. You just would always be, like, disgusted by everything around you, by the food we ate, by, like, I just thought, <laughs> what is this? So I kind of grew up that way, and I feel like um, that's, you know, we're genetically wired a mm-hmm. certain way, you know, to like certain things and to have a certain purpose. And I feel like maybe God made me that way yeah. to demand more out of my life. And I'm so thankful. It's interesting you say that. Um, I lived in a tiny little town called Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, until I was about 10 years old. And when I was four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you shouldn't really have preferences for nice things yet, especially in a, a tiny town. But I wanted to live in a bigger city with nice things. And I loved looking at the nicest homes that I could find. My mom would take me on rides to go look at them as like a seven year old in a tiny town in northern Wisconsin. Like that was not normalized around me. And I remember telling my mom, and actually I don't remember it. You know when you think you remember something, but your mom told you it so many times yeah. that it becomes a memory. She used to tell me that I would tell her I felt out of place there. And I felt too big. Now picture a seven-year-old, right? I felt too big for the area. 
So there really is like this weird internal calling that's placed inside of you. And I think a lot of people that follow you and that choose to learn from you, they know they have that internal calling, but they're not doing shit about it right now. And one of my favorite things is you're a straight shooter. I want you to address that person. So that woman who knows that she has a better life that she desires, but her actions are not following her desires. What should she do? Well, there's several reasons why we don't follow it. It's because we don't feel safe. We have made up the story that we don't know how, you know, and I'm going to address the not feeling safe version because all of us, we make choices that feel the less risk, like the less risky, the better. Don't yeah. you agree? Except for me and you were like, let's go to the, <laughs> yeah, with yeah, the no. riskiest. Love risk. <laughs> it comes back to bite us sometimes yeah. too. But it's because we've learned to bet on ourselves, right? And so the more you build up that betting on yourself muscle, the easier it gets to take risk. But going back to safety, you have to work with the younger versions of yourself and teach them and reparent Mm -hmm. those versions to help you move in a different way and show her, like, it's not not scary to take risk. It's not scary to go after your dreams. But a lot of us had modeling as children from maybe teachers, Um, coaches or our parents that taught us to always take the safe route. Don't do things to get noticed, you know, fit in with the crowd. You know, I was a talker Mm -hmm. in school and I remember always being told to be quiet. Be quiet. Yeah. And so then I was quiet. Sure. I was quiet junior high and high school. Against your nature. Right. It was against my nature. But then that finally started to come out after I was an adult and I got in network marketing and I was like, oh yeah, like the person with the mic makes the most money. This, I was made for this. Right. So But we do those things to fit in and to be accepted. And so once we start to reparent those former versions of ourselves, we're going to start feeling safer to take risk. Okay. So I want to stay there. I wasn't going to go into the book yet, but your new book, What Do You Really Want? has some questions Mm -hmm. that come along with this concept of reparenting. I saw you posted about it a few weeks ago, and I thought they were awesome. Can you share those questions with us? Oh my gosh. Well, there's seven of them, but I'll share with you the first two. Share the best few. Yeah. Yeah. The first, the first one is what's not working for me. And I love talking about this because people will ask the wrong question. Like maybe they hire, they hire a coach and the coach will go, well, what do you want? What, what's a good goal for you this year? And people go, I don't know. I don't don't know what I really want. And so then they start to take other people's dreams and make them their own, which isn't a good thing to do. So it's almost more empowering to start with what's not working for you. So what's not working for you in your career? What's not working for you in your wealth? What's not working for you in your relationships? And you state it as a complaint. Okay, so my rule about complaints is it has to be something that you're willing like to change. Yeah. And I use this example in the book where, you know, if I order a well-done burger mm-hmm. and I get it and it's rare, what am I going to do? Send it back, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> okay. Can I get this cooked? And it's not, nobody looks at you as a complainer. Maybe right. some people will spit in the food, but more often than not, they're going to go back there and cook it and not think anything of it. And uh, that's what we need to do with our life, right? Hey, I, you, I wanted to help people. Uh, I, I have all these gifts and talents. So I became a nurse mm-hmm. and then I realized, okay, I absolutely hate this. It's stressing me out and crying myself to sleep at night, throw it in the trash. Let's do something new. Let's get into network marketing. Let's yeah. become a business coach. And most people just don't have that willingness to throw it in the trash. But just we got to dissociate ourselves from all of the stuff that's going to have to happen in order to make our dreams come true. And we just have to go, okay, 
I don't like this. It's not working for me. State it and then go do something about it. So step two is when did I first start accepting this? So for those of you guys that are listening in right now that you might be living paycheck to paycheck, when did you first start accepting this? It's not working for you, but you've made it normal, right? Okay. And it usually will go back to childhood or maybe your first, you know, versions of being an adult and you have to start reworking what you believe around money and then you'll start getting different results. Okay. I love these two questions because they're a great springboard for anyone who feels right. stuck. Uh, it kind of reminded me when you said that of, of our mutual friend, Ed Milet, when he says, you get the life you tolerate, right? Like mm. these, these people woke up one day and they've just been tolerating this whole time. So would you say it's safe to say that you're never done pursuing and figuring out what do you really want? Is that a fair assumption? Absolutely. Okay. So then do you mind if I put you on the spot? Okay. Using those two questions, how would you answer those for you in your life right now? In other words, what's not working for you? And then second question again. When did I first start accepting it? When did that? you first start accepting it? Okay. So I was trying to think, which one do I want to share? Because there's so many things. <laughs> but, there always are. Well, and I think it's good to point out because we can get really overwhelmed mm -hmm. with when we start doing this type of work, we'll go, oh my gosh, there's so many things yeah. that aren't working for me. And you want to change everything overnight. And you have to realize that that's the whole reason we're alive is to grow and to change, to see what we're made of. And so have compassion on yourself and just pick one thing at a time. So I'm going to share with you the easiest thing that I'm working on, right? I have been struggling with my sleep yeah. for probably like years, honestly. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I... It's a chase of snoring, let's be honest. No. Yeah. He, he only snores when he drinks, so he's not allowed to sleep. <laughs> that's the only time I hear him <laughs> snoring. That's, that's true. It's on guys' trips. boys' trips, yeah. Uh, so anyways, it's my sleep, right? And so I started seeing a hormone doctor and I've been on a... It's a journey. Like uh -huh. I've been going to her for nine months and it's still not fixed. We're going back, getting new labs, trying different things. And it's been awesome to grow and sleep a little more, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm doing something about it and I'm getting the support team on my, like I have my hormone doctor, I have a chiropractor, I'm taking supplements and it's something that I'm actively thinking about on a regular basis. And a lot of my choices will go, oh, am I going to do that? It's going to affect my sleep because I don't want to mess up my circadian rhythm right now. So that's one thing is my sleep because I, we all deserve good sleep. Mm -hmm. And when we sleep better, we have more mental clarity. Way better. And we're aging like slower. Yep. So I, that's the biggest thing for me. I'm like, I want to age slower. So that's one thing. Uh, and I started to accept that actually just being a mom. I have three kids. You know them. They love you. And 14, 11, and 9. So it's been a long time that I've been struggling with my sleep, right? But as a mom, we're told, oh, you won't sleep until they're out of the house. And that just becomes a lie that we fall into agreement with. We just accept. And we have to stop accepting those things because it's not normal. Our, our kids are sleeping through the night. Yeah. You know, my kids <laughs> are zonked out for 10 hours and I'm over there watching them like <gasps> still afraid that they're going to like cough in their sleep and something's going to happen. Anyway, uh, but that's really what we have to start doing is going and examining the beliefs that we're holding and putting a magnifying glass over it and saying, is this really true for me? Like, do I want this to be facts? No, I want to sleep good. So that's number one with the sleep. And then I would say the second thing on the kids factor as well, and I'll talk about business too if you want, but on the kids factor is I'm having teenagers now, right? I mean, not having them, but <laughs> they're growing into like full-blown yeah. teenagers. And I've always heard, like, oh, once they become teenagers, they won't want to hang out with you. I've always heard that. Right. And Chase and I have always been like, we're obsessed with our kids. Yeah. You know that. And we're like, we're not going to have that be our story. 
And so we've decided to adopt new things and we want to hang out with people where they have kids that are teenagers that also want to yes, hang out with them. Yep. And we also want to learn from people who have adult kids that love hanging out with them. Yep. Right. And so it's like it's, it's a way that you parent. It's a way that you facilitate environments where your kids want to be around you and they trust you and they feel safe to talk to you about the things that they're going through as a teen. So that's something that um, I'm like, I'm not accepting that. Yeah. I'm not going to accept that my kids are going to have a strained relationship with me. We're going to, you know, learn from people who yeah. know how to have healthy relationships with their kids. And we're going to do the work on ourselves to not be triggered by all of the things that our kids are doing. For instance, Cooper, yep. he likes girls. Okay. Uh, that's obvious. But um, he started texting girls. And with Chase, Chase is like in the background, like clapping. Yeah, like, and he's like, yeah, it, yep. say this. And I'm like, me, I'm like freaking out because I'm thinking of everything that boys were like when I was yeah. 14. And I was like, oh my gosh, like he, I don't want him to say anything. Like I don't want him to be inappropriate. I have all of these things that are triggered. And I realized, okay, Kayla, I just need to go reparent 14 year old Kayla and deal with her issues. So I don't project them over on Cooper. Right. And that's changing our relationship where now he's like telling me who he likes and. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And he's like, what should I say to her? And he's asking me for advice now. And I'm like, oh, Yay! Like I'm excited. Instead of hiding it from you and you ha being paranoid, you know what's he doing? Exactly. Like I don't feel. I feel like even though I need, there's still a boundary where I don't trust that kid. But um, <laughs> I trust him a little bit more. Uh, That's every 14 year old boy. Right. You shouldn't. You should just not trust him <laughs> for like 10 years following that. Anyways, but I I think it's awesome that he's like starting to open up to me and want to talk about those yeah. things with me. Where I asked Chase, he never talked about that with Interesting. his Interesting. Yeah. You know and. Yeah, this is you're literally living out the title of your book. What do you really want? Well, you're, you said, I really want our kids to want to hang out with us and I really want them to be open with us, not hide things. And you're creating that reality. One of the things that Chase, your husband and I have in common is we have two very strong wives. that are not afraid to ask for what they want. Right. And so this concept of what do you really want? Lori lives that you live that. And there's been times where that's played out in my marriage where Lori knows what she wants and she puts her foot down. So almost goes back to your question of what's not working for you and how long have you been accepting it? There's been moments in my marriage where Lori's put her foot down and said, Hey, this is not working for me. And I can't believe I was accepting it. And then it's been a springboard for us to get into something better. Uh, mm -hmm. Many times financially, many times a different business or many times just coexisting better. Now here's why I bring this up and frame it this way. I have a, a more women than men that listen to this show. And I think that you and Lori are two great examples for women who are out there not standing up for what they want, right? When is a time that you're willing to share that you've had to stand up for what you want with Chase mm. so that you guys could live a better life going forward? Because too many people hold back and hold back and hold back. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to muddy the waters. They don't want to put the energy into doing the work. Mm -hmm. But I've watched you guys do the work. Yeah. Can you think of a time? I know it's hard to think of it on the spot. Well, I mean, you're probably aware of this time, but I mean, there was a time where I gave Chase an ultimatum, kind mm -hmm. of basically. I mean, I didn't know it was an ultimatum, but that's what it yeah. sounded like. Hey, our marriage is not working. Yep. And there were not, there wasn't just one thing that wasn't working in the marriage. It was like a hundred things yeah. that weren't working. And I was basically like, this is what I expect in a marriage. This is what I want. And I need you to give that to me. Yeah. And if you can't, like, I'm totally willing to walk out the door and I'll love you still. Yeah. But I, I can't do this anymore. And 
that was really hard because obviously we had three kids mm -hmm. at the time and most people would be really scared to go to their husband and actually start to raise their standards. Yeah. And what helped me was I looked at the worst case scenario. What's the worst case scenario in this whole thing? If I go and stand up to Chase yeah. and he's a great guy. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. him. you love him. He's a great guy. But then there's all these things that like we were both just uh, like not mm -hmm. seeing eye to eye on. And what happened was I was like, okay, worst case scenario is that I will be divorced, mm -hmm. be a single mom of three kids, and I'll have to learn to live without him. And even though that would suck, I would survive. Yeah. And so I said, okay, that I can live with that worst case scenario. So I have to go and have this conversation. And I think a lot of times we don't even end up standing up for ourselves because we don't play out the worst case scenario. We're scared to like say it out loud. Right. But really, it can be empowering because you go, okay, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I'll be fine. Either way, if he decides to change or if he doesn't, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. You have to trust that everything's always working out for you. And that was an invitation for Chase to rise, and he absolutely did. Yeah. He rose to the occasion. Was it overnight? No. But he drastically made changes. I mean, yeah. he moved down to Newport where because I wanted to be in a, yeah. a place like this. Yeah. yeah. And he worked on himself mm -hmm. and that was a big thing for me and um, did a lot of healing work too, to just be able to have good communication in our yeah. marriage. And uh, anyway, I mean, it was a work in progress. It took a couple years to really get to the standards I wanted. But now, I mean, I feel like we have an incredible relationship and it all started with just that bravery of going, I'm going to be okay no matter what. And also knowing that He's miserable too. Yeah. Like if I'm not happy, he's not happy either. Yep. And so even if it's a worst case scenario and I end up alone, maybe that's the spring. I had to kind of accept that maybe that's the springboard that would change his life and make him happier, even if it ended up yeah. not being with me. But he got it together. This is interesting because I just had an epiphany of what your book and the tools in it actually do for people. It gives people a third outcome. Ooh. Using your scenario that you just gave, most people think there's only two outcomes. You either run from the problem. Most people just cut bait and run in that situation because yeah. they don't want to stand up and have the hard conversation and demand, hey, here's what I really want. Mm -hmm. Or they, worse yet, they stay in it. Yeah. They stay in misery or they stay in poverty or they stay in depression or they stay in whatever their, their demon is, right? And most people think there's two outcomes. There's on or there's off. There's in or there's out. There's, right? You give people a third outcome by teaching them how to have this conversation around what do you really want? And you lived that out in that scenario that you just shared. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard, but it ends up being worth it because now I get to have the marriage that I always wanted. You mentioned uh, your kids a few times, and I love them to death. And um, I, you know, I'll go on camera right now saying you've raised some of the best humans on the planet. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What do you really want for them? And and then I, I want to follow that up with because you liked such a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. How do you want them? to view money and what standard of life do you want them to hold when they grow up? <laughs> well, they're already learning entrepreneurship because what do they do when Chris cusses? They charge you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they made a lot of money, especially Coop. <laughs> so funny. I want them just to understand that money is a tool, uh -huh. you know, and you don't want it to like money is it's that saying money is a uh, poor master, yep. you know, but it's a good servant. And so you can use it to do really good things in the world. Yeah. And I think that they already look at it like that. And what's great is that the kids have always seen us both be entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And what's really fun right now is that um, 
Chase, you know, Chase has been working so hard. They've never seen Chase work as hard as he's working right now. And like even just the failures he's come up against in just the last like six months alone and just seeing him overcome, they're learning that grittiness. And we try to point out those things. And I think that's why our kids are so awesome is because we've never tried to shelter them from like the real life stuff. We'll be like, okay, here's how we're overcoming. Here's what you do with this. I want my kids to just be resourceful. I want them to do whatever it is that they feel passionate about and feel like it's, you know, having an impact on the world and know that there's nothing that is not figure outable. Yeah. You know, it's so true. It's funny. As you said that now I had a great upbringing. I had awesome parents, like as good as anyone could ever ask for. But I realized when you said that they never shared the bad things they were going through. Mm-hmm. It was always just, oh, that's an adult thing. Don't worry. Or, oh, dad just had a bad day at work. Don't worry. But you're saying like you share it. Like when one of you are having trouble in your business, you're sharing it with the kids. When one of you has the win, you're sharing it. And it's forming how they will navigate the world. And that's really powerful. Well, you want to raise critical thinkers. Yeah. Right. I don't want to tell my kids what to think. I want to teach them how to think. Yeah. So that way they come to their own conclusions about life and what it is that they really want and yeah. how they want to give back to the world. And so you need to be sharing that thought process. Because what do we do when we meet people that are successful? We you, That's why we both have podcasts because yeah. we want to know how they think yeah. about their problems. And so if we start to teach the kids how to think about the problems, when they come across problems, which we know they will because <laughs> it doesn't get easier. <laughs> yeah. You know, then they're going to go, oh, it's just a problem. Okay. I have a million different ways I can solve this. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to get through life. When most of us, because we're sheltered, you know, as kids, like Chase, for example, he was very sheltered mm-hmm. as a child. Never. I mean, he never heard his parents ever yell. Wow. Well, I was raised in a house where it was absolute chaos. Yeah. Psychoness. I would not want my kids to be raised <laughs> like that. But we just saw chaos happen all the time. Problems everywhere. And everything ended up working out. Like, I'm here. I'm, I did pretty well. But I was not scared of problems. I kind of embraced problems yeah. as opportunities. And so um, that's why we, me and Chase kind of came together. And we're like, we need to, like, there's a safe way to mm-hmm. bring the kids into it. Not in a way that's, like, we don't share them, like, share with them some stuff right. when it's scary, you know. But we want to teach them the thinking process. I think there's a good little balance there. No, I think that's super valuable. Um, your book. There has so many tools in it that are practical and really move the needle for people. And I know that part of this book was born from the tools that you use with your clients. Yes. And I've seen how you move the needle for your clients. And like I said before, people go from $10,000 months to $100,000 a month and all this stuff. Name or share one of the tools in the book, besides the questions we already talked about, mm-hmm. that you've used with your clients that really moves the needle for people. Okay, well, this is something that most people don't think about because I know when people come to me and you, they want strategy. Mm-hmm. They're like, but tell me what's, yeah. what to do. And when I go and share with people to do inner child work, they're like, they want to just like cancel me. They're like, no. I feel that way too. Like when someone's like, well, you got to go do I'm like, no, come on. Give me like the path. I'll do the path. I'll run down it really hard. I don't mind that. Okay. But most people, you know, we were not taught how to build teams and in order to scale, you have to have a team. You yep. know that. You have yep. to have the right people around you. And you have incredible support yeah. people, right? I got lucky. But you're a good person to work for, right? So you've... Yeah. You, yeah. Create your own luck. Yes. And most people, when they come to me and they're stuck, they've, um, they're burning the candle at both ends, working you know, 60 hours a week. They're making good money, but they need to start bringing on a team. And they can't keep a team because they're a horrible boss. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so I had a... Um, a client. She was at around $30,000 a month and she had one assistant and we did an onboarding call. And I got on with them and the way she talked to her assistant, I was like, 
you can't talk to people like that. Yeah. And we did a whole coaching thing on it because it comes from her childhood where she had to like control and manipulate people to get what she wanted. It was a very like unsafe environment. Yeah. And so she's still doing that as an adult. So we had to do inner child work to help her reparent how to actually treat people to actually get what you want yeah. in life. And now she has nine people working for her. She's doing, you know, this year she'll probably do 10 million. Dang. Yeah. And it's all been That's because- That's a far cry from 30,000 a month. Yes. And it's all been because she's doing that healing work on her inner child. And going like, hey, this is how you are in relationship with people. This is how you talk to people. Most yeah. people don't realize $10 million a year is $830,000 a month. So yeah. she went from $30,000 a month, just this was stuck, a, ago, stuck yeah. a comfortable 800000 in front of that, brought it to eight thirty a month by doing inner child work. And those tools are literally in the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know when you have a business avatar and you name them? Like, oh, my business avatar is Taylor and here's what he or she uh, wears and looks like in her age, right? Who... Did you write this book? for? Who's that avatar? Can you describe that person? Right. So I really wrote this book because, you know, I look at it as a tool. It's a book, but it's a tool. And I thought of my 18-year-old self. Yeah. That's really who I wrote it for is like somebody that's always, you know, gone the safe route in life. Yeah. I became a nurse because there was a nursing shortage when I was 13. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be a nurse. So I'll always have a stable job. And I just always kind of made choices based on... Um, what everybody else around me was doing. And so I thought, okay, what if I would have had this tool when I was 18? I'd be, it ended up all working out, right? But I'd be so much like closer to where I want to be if I had started younger. So I really wrote it with that like version in mind because I want like every young person to read this book and figure out. It makes me think of Charlie, your daughter. Had she not had the blessing of having you as a mother as an example, this is who the book would be written for. She in a few minutes is going to be 18, oh my gosh, right? Gonna it's going to feel like it's a few minutes and she's going to have to make those life choices. Mm-hmm. And with a book like this, she'll be able to make those life choices. And, and not that you wrote it for a bunch of 18 year olds, but I pictured, you know, moms and dads who feel stuck buying this book, but instead this could be a great gift or even a great way to kind of bond with their teen child Yes, and read the book together. Absolutely. And like I just had um, a couple read it together. They're yeah. clients of mine and it's already changing their marriage. They're already very it's probably changing the conversation they have with each other. 100% because it brings awareness to why they do the dumb stuff they do in yeah. relationships that's been hurting and harming them for a long time. And it's also not only in their relationship, but it streams over to their business too. Yeah. Because how you treat people is it's that's going to directly be related to the results you get in life. Yeah. You know, I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to do something fun. You don't know that I'm doing this, oh. but I want to buy and give away a hundred of your books. Me yes. and my team will buy them and give them away, but there's a catch. Here's what the people have to do. They have to tag us both on Instagram with one takeaway from this episode, right? Some way that you move the needle from them, from all the things that you shared so that you can receive as a thank you, a validation of how you're moving the needle for other people. Mm-hmm. So to get one of these books, the first hundred people that tag both of us on Instagram and share how you moved the needle for them with this episode, uh, we'll send them, we'll buy and send them a book for free. Chris, thank you. You're going to make me cry. No, listen, it's the least that we can do to you know help get this book in, in people's hands that absolutely need it. And at the same time, be able to get you some feedback on the difference that you're really making in people out there. So let's start to put a bow on this thing. Okay. How are you going to use this book personally? 
to go to your next level? And what does that next level look like? Really good question. So I feel like I've kind of been, uh, I I think ever since like the pandemic, I've kind of been hiding out. Mm -hmm. I got really comfortable in my bubble Mm -hmm. in Newport Beach and my friends and my family here. And I just love, I love my life so much. Yeah. And I feel like it's a little too much at this point. Like I'm so comfortable. Yeah. I never want to leave. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Yeah. And so I'm actually going on tour with this book, which is something that's completely out of my comfort zone because I have to leave my kids. Like there's all these things, but it's about impact. And I I just want to see like that next level for me, which I think is going to be stepping into speaking more, going on more stages um, with this Take 7 method because that's what I've like named the coaching method. Yeah. And I know that like every single person, no matter what stage you are in your life, if you're, I've had a, you know, a 55 year old that's re like starting her career after she went through my take seven method. So it's like, it can impact so many different people and it's my responsibility to get that out there and have more impact. So I'm getting out of my comfort zone basically in going and doing more, going more on podcasts and, you know, filling my time up more. That's long overdue. And I know what it's like. You're, First of all, you're so busy with your family, with your businesses. And like you said, we have such comfy lives. Mm-hmm. It's hard to want to leave the nest. But you reach this point where you realize that you might have a slight obligation to give of yourself a bit and get out there and get on those stages and Absolutely. get out there and get on those podcasts and get out there and get that word out there. Well, I think that's really important to point out the obligation because we each have our own secret sauce. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us valuable in the marketplace. And I want everybody listening in right now to really take that away. It's like, I have to share this message in the way that I share the message mm-hmm. because I'm the, I'm the only person that can do it. Yeah. Just like you listening in right now, you have your own unique gifts and talents with your experience, your story, and you're the only person that can share it. You're the only person that can do it like you can do it. And so we do have to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more, even when it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Even when it takes us away from our, our spoiled life, <laughs> if you will. Okay, where can everybody get the book? What do you really want? Okay, go to kaylacraft.com forward slash book. Okay. And for everybody also that gets the book, they can get a free course. Okay. That goes along with the Take 7 method. So you'll really learn how to coach yourself to start getting what you want. Here's the thing. It's one thing to read the book. It's another thing to have the set of tools laid out in a linear way. Right. For them to make them actionable. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're giving them. And what else I love about like having a book, right? And I know you're like this too. You have a huge library yep. like me. But it's almost like you are stacking up mentors, mm-hmm. you know, and when I'm going through something, let's say in real estate, I'll be like, I'll go grab the Robert Kiyosaki book because yep. I'm like, oh, what, what would Robert do? I yeah. need to like get into that mindset. And so that's another reason why I pick up a couple copies and, you know, you have, you know, Kayla Craft as a mentor. You have Chris Harder. Well, when you come out with your book, you know, as a <laughs> it's happening. Okay. Uh, as a reminder for everyone who's listening, the first 100 of you that tag us on Instagram and share your biggest takeaway or how Kayla moved the needle for you today with all the advice that she gave or how she inspired with you or how she inspired you, I should say, I am going to personally buy them and send them a book. Maybe I can even get you to autograph them first or something like okay, that. Okay, yes, of course. All right, we love it. That in. That's the last thing I need is another 100 books stacked up in my house to send out, waiting to be sent out. So maybe we'll I'll just buy them from you. Amazon. We'll send them no, 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 we're doing it. That's part of the action. Kayla, first of all, thanks for being on. But more importantly, thanks for being a great friend. Thank you for being a great example of what's possible. Thank you for being one of the people in Lori's in my life who's unapologetic about what she wants. Because as you know, no matter how great of a life that you live or that you want, 
you still need people around you. And you referenced this earlier. You still need people around you that are evidence for and that will reinforce that it's okay to keep pursuing every single thing that you want. And that's what you are for us. And that's what this book then can be for everybody else. If they don't get to be with you in their regular life all the time, this is the next best thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Of course. That means a lot. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.